Hello, hello, everybody. Kim here, local rabbi minister, Sacred Elohim, Dunlight and Pearl Ministries. I welcome you tonight. Uh, we will be having a hour discussion later. I'm just giving you some recaps of some stuff we'll be doing this week. Um, I'm still in the progress of working on the Yehu Bible and Holy Scriptures. It will be a while. Um, we are starting a new series on the prophetic community. And then one on legacy. And then one on dangerous prayers. So I will be outlining these things. And getting them ready for next week. Um, as far as the book of mysteries. I'll do pop-ins with it now. Uh, I'm going to stop the study sessions on it. I've also pushed back the book of mysteries. There's not much left. Or uh, not the book of mysteries. The mystery of the Shemitah. There's not much left on the mystery of the Shemitah right now. So we've got probably less than a month. Um, I will be bringing these things to a head and tying them in to the current situations we're living in and what's going on. Jonathan Kahn's putting out a new book for Harbinger, uh, Harbinger 2. I've already got that on order. It comes out the 26th of September. Um, we will also be going over Paradigm and Oracle. Uh, I've got some other books that we will be touching. We will be going back in discerning the, the discerning the voice of God, a new series on that. Um, we had did it before, and I cut it short, so I'm going to revamp that. I had said before that I would be doing not recordings in Anchor directly, but I would be doing my recordings offline, and then divide those recordings into sessions um i still haven't worked out the kinks yet on that but in the near future we will have recordings um right now i'm still doing it here now live um i decided to take a hiatus on videos for a while um i haven't been on facebook as much um I know I get a lot more view uh, listeners through my podca- podcasts. I've been evaluating it while I've been on sabbatical. Uh, I am back. Here I am. I did the first recording last week. Um, this is Monday. Uh, this is our revamp night. Uh, I will be, um, how would you say, restructuring. Um, said we will be doing dangerous prayers, legacy. We'll start off with in the prophetic community. So these are the three books we're going to deal with. The cycle. I've pushed Shmita and Messenger, or the Book of Mysteries, back. Um, I kind of want to lay off of that, rest a little while, and then we'll go back to it later in the winter, if the Lord tarries. Um, right now with everything going on, we're currently Ohio is like. Just a little over 100,000 people now. Um, Arnton had four deaths, or should I say Lawrence County. Um, that's the news now, um, here and now. Um, I had a very good Sunday service. I have to thank David for what he did. Um, it made me feel a little bit better with them. I have had some issues. Um it's not been easy for me. Um, I am part of their community now, so I also honor their wishes. 
anything that I write or anything that I get from the prophetic community has to go through them before I post it. Um, same way with uh, the prophetic intelligence community or intellectual community. I won't post anything until they try it. Um, I am an intercessor prophetically. Um, I do help them. And I pray. He didn't ask what my prayers were. But I'm going to say, I pray for them. I pray for their church. I pray for our nation. I pray protection on those that I care for. My mother and my father. But they are my spiritual brothers and sisters. As well as what I've got on here. I pray for them every day. Because David puts himself on the line. He could very well be hurt. <laughs> for the things he puts out. And there is people out there that would do. Would hurt somebody like him. I don't want anything to happen to him. I care too much. I don't tell them that. They don't ever hear my conversations with you guys. What little study time we have. Today's a special day. I did say I was writing a book called The the love of the kingdom or for the love of the kingdom uh, let me give you the name and then I'll explain why I picked this particular name it's very important it has significance Said I'm publishing an ebook here in a few weeks. Um, I've not got the ins and outs on what I want done, but I'm doing it. Um, right now I've got the template downloaded. I might change the template. I'm not too happy with the current template. For the love of the kingdom, the story of a young woman's way to Yeshua, Yahuwah, and the Ruach Hodesh, and the path to her outcoming. The book is about my life. My life um, as a saved Hebrew person. Um, let me see here. I got to find anchor here. <laughs> I lost anchor. Um, as funny as it may seem, anchor is hard to find on here right now. But I am publishing a book which is going to be very interesting to see the response of people that I know when it comes out. Um, because it's not something normally talked about by me. Um, See, I'm just gonna go through here and see if I can find what I'm looking for. I know you guys are still there. I didn't delete it out. I hope. Anchor. <laughs> um. There we go. I found everybody. Okay, so we found Anchor, but I give you the name of the book for the love of the kingdom. 
The book is about my life, starting with my childhood and the outcome. I'll give you a little bit of background. My mother was born of a Jewish and Native American mother. And my father was born of a Frenchman and Inuit. Um, predominantly, my life hasn't always been a good life. I mean, it's been okay. Um, my parents met in Washington, D.C. Uh, my dad was a year older than my mom, so he would have been 71 if he had lived. He's long since passed. But my mom's life wasn't an easy life. Her parents didn't care enough to raise her because they were too busy drinking, so the state stepped in and took her and some other siblings away. She never knew her life. As a child of an alcoholic, um, the state pretty much stripped that. She had no right to go see him or anything, but she had a family that cared for her through adoption. And I loved them dearly for what they did for my mother. But the one thing that was stripped was my Jewishness. I had to literally go back to learn who I was. And I wasn't proud of it. The things they did to believers, things that I can only imagine, I felt shamed about it. At five, between four and five years old, uh, I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis and cardiac asthma. I resented people because of my health issue. I hated them. I wanted to be like everybody else, but I couldn't be like other children. I couldn't play football, basketball. I couldn't play sports normally. I mean, the first few years, yeah. But as I got sicker, and the doctors didn't really know what to do with me, and I'd come out every day out of the hospital with beat marks all over me because I was doing chest pounding with a vest that felt like a guillotine. Um, medications going off and on 80, 90 different medications, maybe more. Um, my whole childhood was resentment. I've seen other children have a better life than me, or what I thought was a better life than me. And not realizing it after I was saved at five, and actually I was, I was a lot younger than eight. I had already accepted the Lord at five, maybe six. Um, I wasn't officially baptized by the community until 43. Uh, my baptism at a local church was done by a, a trainee prophet um, that was training to be a pastor at the time under a mentor of mine. So it wasn't official. So it really wasn't accepted I guess you could say um, my mom it's hard to get her in church because of all the pain she suffered um, she still resents um, she still offended um, I can't be offended anymore because I'm not someone to offend but this story explains my way back 
to what loved me most, and that was the father. Through all the pain, through all the heartache, through all the misgivings that I've had, the father got a hold of me in such a way that he revealed himself in a way I didn't expect. And this is my forthcoming. And I will admit, I did hurt the father deeply. Uh, sorry. I'm talking about it. But he forgave me. And since then, I've had a very close relationship with him. It's developed over the last year and a half. I keep that part of it uh, out of prying eyes. I don't talk about it because it's different. I'm different. And for someone to hear from the Father and to, to confirm what I know, it meant a lot. I do talk about Israel. They are my people by blood. But I have something that I concern with myself more than that. I also have adoptive brothers and sisters that are through the Father, through Yeshua, his son. And they are my kin as well. So I'm going to say this, this first 15 minutes. If David Nim is listening, what you did last night meant a lot to me. I had a long talk, not with myself necessarily, but apologizing to Papa upstairs. I only did what he wanted me to do to please him because I know obedience is important and my whole ministry thrives on obedience. Yes, I run my ministry by myself. I'm a one-stop shop. It's hard. Uh, I don't have any help like they do. Ah, don't resent it. But they don't know my feelings. I don't talk about my feelings. But with the father. And it hit home last night. David said my prayers would be answered. <laughs> They've already been answered. More than one time. So I'm going to cut. Right here for now. And we'll continue the discussion. Well, I'm sorry, I was taking a little bit of time getting back to what I was talking about. I don't talk about my history. As I said, my mother come and my father both come from abusive and drunk relationships from parents. My mother was taken away at four. My dad had a mother that was a lush. His father took care of him. He was the only support that his father had. 
my father had was his father. I never knew his father because he was dead before I was born. I come into this world. My mother prayed for a child for seven years and she got pregnant with twins, lost my twin. So my other twin, my other half of me, my better half is in heaven. I, through my believing walk, I'll admit, honestly, as a saved Jew, I, I lean more towards Christianity than anything, but I prefer to the Messianic part of it. There's two different divisions in the Messianic. Um, I lean more towards my Christian upbringing with a twist. Um, I'm different, <laughs> and they realize I'm different. I, I'm very blunt when it comes to my worship. I do apologize for that. But when the Father falls on me, that's just how I am. I am unique. And my uniqueness makes me stand out a little bit. How can I say it in words? He was right. I do. Stirred crying when he said, I have jumped from church to church. Because of things that has happened in my life. Part of it was that and part of it was my father being in the military. My father never did really stay in one place. For the most of my teenage years and early years, my father was out to sea three quarters of the time. I didn't have a father figure, really. So I thought, you know, the Heavenly Father's way up there. He ain't going to have nothing to do with me. Even though I'm saved and I believe in his son, he's not going to have anything to do with me. So I put him on a back burner. On a personal note. And... I just left it at that. I'd study my Bible every once in a while and talk with friends about the Bible every once in a while that were red hot as teenagers. But I never really got involved in any kind of um, affiliation with any religion. Yeah, I, I had accepted Jesus, but I didn't really accept the the values of the church that we were affiliated with. I went to their church camp just to go, and that was it. Um, they had some very odd views of life, and I was always opinionated about a lot of things. A good example was an event that happened in my life. I had a real good friend that went to this particular church. I'm not going to name the church's names. She fell in love. This was my teenage years, my early years. And we were graduating. And she got pregnant by the guy she was going to marry. And the judgment they cast upon her. The good book tells me, and I call it the good book because it's the scriptures. 
And the father is very plain. Or daddy is what I call him. Abby or Avi was very upfront with me because I prayed about it prior to that. I knew the particular people that was in this church. They love offending people. And we're talking about offenses right now. They told this young 20-year-old woman getting married the next day. She got pregnant. It was about couple weeks pregnant maybe a, a little bit further than that she's enough you could see her anyway they told her she needed to kill both twins because they wanted it white rushed from the church she needed to have an abortion because the church wasn't going to let her have the kids because of that reason she left I found out years later because of that reason. She hasn't been to a church since and she turned to drugs. And ultimately, because of that reason, she ended up losing her kids. Her mother took the kids away. Because my best friend died at 23 from a heroin overdose. Her and her husband both because of something that a church did. Now, I don't hold that. Those people will have to answer for that. But when I stood up for what I thought was right life, I got ridiculed. I was told I was a backslider. I was told I had no right to speak. Women don't speak in church. And I needed to shut up, sit down, and let the elders handle it. I told them I'm not going to sit in any church that does that kind of thing. Because what God convicted me on my heart was they were doing wrong and they knew it. And so they ended up throwing me out head first down a flight of stairs. <laughs> told me never to come back again. Only about 10 years later bumming me to go to church again no i wasn't offended i just politely told him no i says you gotta answer for your crimes but i'm not offended i forgive you for whatever you've done to me but i told him again what you did to a young lady 10 years ago has now impacted a family and that family won't have anything to do with it you offended them they didn't want to hear the truth. We are talking about offenses in a, a very good book called The Bait of Satan. And I'm learning quite a bit from Kim and them. I normally don't talk about my social life in front of them and the things that's happened. But Dave hit home yesterday. He's a wonderful person. And he cares. And what I seen yesterday was truth. I don't know if he knew. Or. <laughs> or they told him. It doesn't matter to me. 
it's what happened and the acceptance that I needed. It meant a lot that the Father would use him in such of a way to get me to realize why I need to stay. It's not easy for me. I'm not one to talk about my past. I'm not one to talk about my present. And the Father's been very key about things. There's a lot about my past they don't know. And I just soon forget it. Yes, I talk about Israel because Israel, my people, are the sign of the times. What goes over there impacts the world. <laughs> I've seen so much prophecy just out of the word itself happen in my lifetime. The fall of Russia. The rise of communist China. The hatred of the nation of Israel. The birth of a nation in my lifetime. The death of seven people in a Challenger accident when I was five. Maybe a little younger than that. I've seen... And I'm talking with my own eyes now. How a nation can rise and a nation fall in a day. I've seen how a nation can implode itself and end up in civil war. Croatia, that was a good example. And what happens to its people. In my lifetime, I've probably seen more <laughs> things happen being in the military, especially my father being Navy, than most people get to see. I'm blessed that my father was what he was. In a way, I can, can relate to Kevin and them at the church. I have seen things that I never thought possible. <sighs> the one thing that got a hold of me that was part of history was the very thing that died for me. I speak it from a heart. I've lived a very long life, not like Mrs. Skeens or my mother, but from my, from my end of perspective, for every year I'm alive, my lungs age 20 years. <laughs> so, I'm 43, I would have the lungs of an 83-year-old person 
and a heart. I've always wanted to be whole. <laughs> I guess it took some humbling to get me to the point I'm talking about it now. I don't talk in front of them, my heart. There's a lot of things happening that brings out the worst in people. And then there's things that bring out the best in people. Right now we're seeing the worst. I've made many call-outs in the past. Where's our rabbis? Where's our churches? Where is the people needed most to pray? <laughs> They're praying. I have seen more hatred in just the last year since this pandemic hit, in the last few months, than I could care to see in a lifetime. <laughs> I've seen blood, rivers run blood red. I've seen locusts on the land. I've seen a plague of biblical proportions. And not just affecting America, it affected Israel and the world. I've seen towers fall, and I've seen people blatantly disobediently challenge God. I have seen so much in my life come to pass. Even a church member Become a pastor. And if that's not proof enough that God uses me, then I don't know what is. <laughs> I'm not bragging. It's all to the glory of the Father and the Son. And the Ruach. I don't discuss things here, and I'm not going to. I'm only discussing things that has happened. I'm not challenging anyone, nor am I going to make anybody feel less than inferior. I keep my prophecies to myself, except for one or two. This is my life now. I fought it for 33 years of my life. I can't fight it anymore. It's the Father's will.
My life has been eventful. <laughs> My life has had tragedy. My life has had hope and meaning and rebirth. Not that I haven't always believed. I've always believed. I'm just taking it from a standpoint of what I know. I've had long prayer talks with the Lord sometimes. And things he's done, I ask him to do, and it happens. I talk about Israel a lot for one reason. It's a beacon. My people, I'm a beacon. Or what's to come. I've come out of bitterness, hate, disgust, drinking vile myrrh. To have a sweeter refrain. And to know my life is worth something. More than the Play-Doh I have in my hand right now. So I'm going to cut it here. Take a little break. Get me a drink and come back. So back to the discussion at hand. And then I've got another post that will go out tonight. Um, basically, I'm giving you a little more insight about me and my ministry. I picked pro prophetic because that's what the Papa put on my heart, is prophecy. The Bible is riddled with prophecy. It's even riddled with prophets we don't understand that are hidden that are only revealed when Papa wants them revealed. They say that Yehu and other people were hidden. Their books were lost, but they're within our text. The guidance of kingship is there. It's all right in the word, right under our nose. Um, and then we'll talk about that. I'm going back on the subject at hand. I've probably seen more things fulfill themselves in my lifetime than I would know. 1948, Israel was birthed. It was birthed before that, but the Belf. Bellflower Accords brought it to reality. Then in 1976, they fought a seven-day war, which they took back their nation, our nation. But there's one thing that people don't know. During the Holocaust, they were Jews 
that committed their life to Christ, to serve Christ. It was either die in the concentration camps or accept Christianity. That was their ultimate sacrifice. So they accepted Christianity and come to know Christ most intimately. A very well-known Messianic rabbi, which passed on in 2006, somebody that was very beloved in our community, Zola Levith, has a book that talks about Holocaust survivors that were Messianic Jews or believing Jews at the time. They weren't Messianic because Messianicism hadn't come back into being. They were believers. They hid themselves in other faiths, along with Germans that run from the Holocaust as well. The Holocaust, why I took a sabbatical for nearly three months, was to honor that. It was a day that should not be forgotten because we're seeing the same signs that happened during that time period that my people submitted to Hitler. They thought it would not happen. It's happening again. And this time you've got a movement within the White House itself that not only wants to hurt Jews, but Christians. They hate them. They look at America as being the big Hasatan and Jews being the little Hasatan. And they look at doing nothing but destroying. The only reason they're destroying statues like Christopher Columbus is one reason. The history behind them. I don't discuss why Christopher Columbus come over here. Yes, he solicited the Spanish government. But historical records, because he was a believing and he was a Jew, and he was very devout with his faith. He was asked to leave Europe with other people and to find a new life here in the States. And he was an explorer, very smart man. He was a Jew, but he was a believer. Catholic, but a believer. The Catholic Church was just as ruthless to Protestants as they were Jewish people. The animosity between Jews and that stemmed as far back as the Nicene, where you had the separation of Jewish believers from the syndicate in the temple. They accepted them to a point, and then when it come time, for them to have access to the temple, the Levitical priesthood denied it. Said they weren't Jewish, they were just bait and trapped. And they still say that today. They take their literacy from the Zohar, which I have nothing against the Zohar. It's fine and dandy, but it's a book that teaches things they shouldn't be doing. It's not faith-based. They use the Zohar 
for revenge. They use it for demonic influence. They use demonic to hurt people. And the Father strictly forbids us to even deal with Hasatan. Then you have the Talmud. The Talmud, there's one thing that hurts in the Talmud. And that's because they talk about Yeshua as something not worth talking about. They won't even mention his name in those circles. I cannot see for the life of me how my culture, and I'm talking about the Jewish people, can deny what God did for them, set aside. There's a big riff. Yes, the Christian community has done a lot of apologetics, and I, I credit them for it, but my people are just as much to blame as they are. During David's time, King David, he ruled a kingdom that not only had Gentiles in it, but Jews. Those that wanted to believe in God started a process if they wanted to become Jewish. That process was they started with the Nagahide Law. Now the Nagahide Law is written in the Talmud. It's a principle that guides them before they take them into Torah law and then they become circumcised. But there's one dividing wall that was broke with me the other day. And David had a very hard time with it until he read the passage that talked about Simon Peter and Cornelius. was the fact that my people were so proud that they looked at other nations as being garbage. I'm not that way. Never was that way. And I'll never be that way. I can't be that way. It's how the Father made me. I value the next person as I value myself. And this is coming from a Jewish heart. Value is in the eyes of the beholder. The Torah is a foundation of all things. The Torah started a movement. That movement then went to Yeshua and out to the world. It started with my people. But it ended up the Gentiles upholding God. And the one thing he puts on my heart, my people, my people, why have you forsaken me? Just as Jesus cried out on the cross, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Or Yahuwah, Yahuwah, why have you forsaken me? Sebati, which means forsaken. This time he cries out, My children, my children, why have you forsaken me? And this is an iteration 
time and time again. Israel used to be a faith-believing people. But they walked away from God three separate times, only to come back for a decade or two in belief and then go into their own way, into the world. It's been that way with humanity for years, even the Jewish people. There are Jews coming to Yeshua. I'm one that went into the world just pushed aside he got a hold of me oh. <laughs> excuse me I know the truth for it is written in the scriptures and the father throughout the prophets Iterated that when his son come, he was going to write it upon the hearts of men in their mind and in their hearts, and they will be his people, starting with the Jews and then the Gentiles, the Graftians. We are to be one nation, one people, one man, a new creation. The Torah was going from paper and stone to our hearts and minds. It is written. It's in the scriptures. The scriptures are alive. He points that out quite plainly. His plan all along. And the two most foundation principles that are built on, the, the prophets are built on, is to love your father, Abba, God, or Yahuwah, or Yehu, with all your mind, body, and soul. The next one, which these are foundation bricks, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Then all the others follow. You learn all the others. David taught this as a king. It's mentioned in Gad, Gad, the seer. It's mentioned in Yehu, Yahuwah's book of the king of Yehu, of Israel. And it's mentioned by several other prophets which are in the kings that started your major prophets that were part of Elijah's band or Elisha's band. The same scriptures throughout what the prophets talked always talked about the appearance of the sun and his teachings. Even Bereshit, the beginning, mentions the sun. In ancient writings. This is my culture. This is who I am. From the foundation. To the end time. 
and he will come again. He died, was buried, raised again. His blood sits on the ark. He gave up his life. He was beaten to death. He was slaughtered. <laughs> and this is what I believe in. I had a po question posed to me. Why not Christianity? I have nothing against my faith-believing brothers and sisters. But to understand who I am, I can't separate my belief in something I know and my Jewishness. I just can't. In circles, I am called a completed Jew or a believer. I have nothing against them seeing Christianity at all. I support it. I probably more worship more than what they know. But I'm a believer. Just as the first believers were. So we'll continue here in a few and we'll take a break. So I took a little bit of a break just to breathe. Excuse me here. I was scratching an ear. Um, I describe myself. I've not always been perfect. No human, not even a Jew, is perfect. We're not special. Yes, we were given a mandate to take the Torah to the whole world. But we failed the father. So he made different plans through his son. That he would do it. And he did it. Can't always count on humans now, can we? No. Because we're a fallen creation. The world's a fallen creation. And he created us in his image and we gave up on him. So where am I leading with this? I'm a believer. I believe what Christians believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that Yeshua is alive very well in heaven. He exists. He saved me. I repented of my transgressions and he came back to me. I'm not said I ever lost salvation, no. But the father can cut himself off spiritually. His full name is Yeshua or Yehoshua Yahuwah. That's what will be written on his vestments. The Bible talks about him being the living word. He is who he says he is. He is the we in the scriptures. And yes, I use his holy name. I'm not profaning it at all. I've had people say that I'm profaning the father's name by mentioning it. No, because he's my father. It's meant to be praised and worshipped. It's meant to dance to. It's meant to sing. It's meant to live life 
Look, there's no tomorrow. I made a vow with my father. Henceforth, I'm not going to cut the hair on my head again. I'm not going to drink strong drink. I'm not going to eat grapes or any material things. That's what they call the Nazarite vow. Until he answers some things for me. And he was very happy with that. I've laid out my plans for what we'll be doing. Um, I'm taking my ministry in a different direction than it has been. I've just been hap hap happenstance and just reading books. There's going to be more organization in it. Um, I'm very busy. I'm writing three books right now. Uh, one of them, The Love of the Kingdom, and then two others. Um, it's not going to be easy. Um, one of the books has already been written. I'm just sitting on it right now because it was one of my training manuals for my rabbinical training. I haven't brought it to the church yet because I don't know how they're going to accept the Yahuwah Bible or Yahwistic Bible, as it's called. Um, it was last printed in 99 so it's been nearly one about 20 years the man has since passed away that wrote the Bible so it is very well known in Jewish circles <laughs> and a lot of your Jewish rabbis sit on it um, they don't put it out there and I think it's time that this translated version that brings the King James Bible, brings in the Living Tree and all the other Bibles together to make one Bible. And it lays it plain as day, comparing it scripture for scripture. Busy. Um, it lays it word for word. Anyway, um... Sorry there, I had a couple dogs go in the room. Um, it lays the scriptures word for word. Uh, it's translated from the corne from the regular Aramaic, which is ancient, similar to ancient Hebrew, as close to ancient Hebrew as you can get, into Cornate Greek and other Greek. The translation from one version to another there was a misinterpretation, a mistake. It talks about a woman named Micaiah. Let me bring it up. Give me a little bit of time here. We'll discuss this a little bit. We'll go to Revelation. I think this is very relevant and very important. It's called Yah Yahuwah's Bible and Concordance, and it explains everything. It gives verses. It gives proof. Now, we are going to go into Revelations 12. 
14. Now here is talking about the two witnesses. It says, and I will give my two witnesses to perform their prophetic office. And they will foretell events about the three and a half years. Those cast about with darkness. These are, as it is written, the two olive trees. And as it is were, the two lampstands. Seven of the seven lampstands ministering for the Father in earth. And if any among them determines in his own mind to commit sin, then every word of Yahuwah of the law and prophets, like a two-edged sword of fire, proceeds out of the mouth of the spokesmen of them. And devours their enemies. And if any among them continue to commit sin. In the manner it is binding. For him to be destroyed. Then it goes on talking about uh, water and whatever. But then it goes right here. It says. And whenever they will have finished the evidence written about them. Completely performing their testimony concerning future events. The beast, the same which ascended out of the abyss, he will make war with them, and he will overtake them, and he will kill them. And the body of the believers, the house of Yahuwah, the one seed of the two witnesses, going into streets, of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Messiah was crucified. And they take out of the people and the tribes and the tongues and the nations into the house of Yahuwah, turning them to Yahuwah for three and a half years, because they will not allow the body of believers of the two witnesses to be placed into tombs. And those residing throughout the earth will observe Yahuwah's feasts in their reverence for Yahuwah because of them. For they have a mind of understanding to do that which is right. And Yahuwah tithings and offerings they will bestow themselves together who are with Yahuwah or Yahweh or Yahuwah. Yeah. Because these two prophets proclaim that every word of Yahuwah, the law, and the prophets are those residing throughout the earth. This is the first resurrection. And after the three and a half years, the spirit of life of Yahuwah entered into them, and they stood up on their feet. And a great fear fell upon those who saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying to them, Come up hither. And they ascended up 
to heaven in the clouds, and their enemies watch them. So this is the translation that combines everything. Now, I'm going to go back here that talks about, uh, let's see, it's actually in 12, I believe. Here it is right here. I'm going to blow it up. Oops, too much. And it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and under her hair, and upon her hair a crown of twelve stars. This would represent Israel and then the birth of the church through Yeshua. And she, being with child, cried out in labor to give birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon her head her head so the dragon's a female and her tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to be delivered in order to devour her child her son as soon as he was born so the dragon is a her but yet in the scriptures it doesn't mention that it's a her i'm gonna read another verse um out of my other Bible that is combined with this, but this was the translation out of the Cornate Greek, uh, or should I say, from the original um, Aramaic, is her. Um, and here's it says here, there's a fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and seven royal crowns on his head. And here it says her. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking bad about it or anything like that because I'm not. This is just what they translated. It goes on, and her tail drew, and she brought, and it says, and her tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and cast them out on the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman ready to be delivered in order to devour her son as soon as he was born. And she brought forth a male, a son who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her son was caught up to Yahuwah and to his throne. Escaping in the mist, war in heaven. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by Yahuwah, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and sixty days. And then a war it was in heaven, and Micaiah and her angels fought against the dragon, but did not prevail. Nor was there a place found any more in heaven for the dragon. And the great, the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, who deceived the whole world. She was cast out into the earth, and her angels was cast out with her. Interesting. And if we go back, Mahaya, they talk about Mahaya and Yohanikan and then the revelation, the killing of the two witnesses. It goes on to talk about on the side notes about what Yohanikan was talking about at that time and what this prophecy was pertaining to Satan. And the falsity of the church. 
Um, and it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come the salvation and strength and the kingdom of our Father and the power of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accuses them before the Father night and day. And they overcome her with the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, the law of the prophets. And they loved not their lives unto death. So the her is a church, a false church. Um, according to this, it's two different religions that come together, and they call it a her. It goes on saying, two wings was given like eagles that she might fly into the wilderness in her place for nourishment for a time and time and time and a half. And then the serpent went after her, the woman. And it talks about the house of Yah. Um, it goes on to talk about the dragon and believers in the Jewish and then it goes into the first fruits. And I looked and behold the Lamb standing at Mount Zion with his 144,000, having his name and his father's name written on their, oh, their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of the great thunder. And I heard the harps harping with their harp, the harpers harping with their harps. They sang. It was, it as it were a new song before the throne and before the living creatures. And no man could learn that song of the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. There, there are the ones who were not defiled with woman. Forbidden assemblies is what it means. For they are virgins, clean and pure. So what it means is going into forbidden assemblies okay these are the ones who follow the lamb whoever he goes they are the redeemed from among men and the first fruits of the lamb and in their mouth was found no guile falsehood for they are without fault before the throne of yahuwah worship yahuwah babylon will fall and it just goes on and on talking about different things. But it's talking, the main thing is the retranslation that came out of the Septuagint and these other scriptures put together with the King James and other things gives a picture of what is happening. This war taking place and the woe and Daniel and it talks about this figure called Micaiah, or Micaiah, and her angels fought against the dragon. Micaiah. In the end times. Which is interesting. I mean, as far as that goes, I'm going to minimize this here. But that's what it's talking about. So, we will touch more on this uh, book um, and I study many books, but this one was written all of the Teflon from the actual 
Torah. It's the original version. Um, they refer to two different people and two witnesses. And then it goes over explaining who Micaiah is and the war that was going on in heaven. So I'm going to end it here and I'm going to call it a night. And we'll do another recording here in a few minutes of our Bible study. But I talked about myself, so there you go.